Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. Look through your children's eyes and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. The NFL Podcast Network is your home for all things football. Do you love hearing analysis around the league with a touch of mirth? Or maybe you enjoy breaking down X's and O's in the college scouting scene. Do you breathe, sleep, and eat fantasy football? Perhaps you love the funny headlines that emerge each week. What if you want in-depth news coverage with reporters? Or what if you want to know exactly how each team got its name? Well, you're in luck because the NFL Podcast Network has a show for everybody. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jennifer Aniston will not be attending the 2021 Emmys because of COVID. Nicki Minaj caused a huge stir on Twitter after she tweeted about not going to the Met Gala. And we're joined by Jamae Jackson to talk about everything from elitism to our favorite looks at the biggest night in fashion. It's September 14th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Shyla Watson. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. All right, so to kick things off, I want to talk about Jennifer Aniston continuing her reign as Hollywood's queen of COVID precautions. So a month after revealing she'd cut ties with the unvaccinated people in her life, she told Jimmy Kimmel that even though the Friends reunion special was nominated for multiple Emmy Awards, she would not be attending the ceremony. Jennifer added that even being on Jimmy's show live as opposed to over Zoom was a, quote, big step for her. I mean, yeah, good for Jennifer Aniston. I love this. I mean, still, I want to forever talk about how she cut ties with the unvaccinated people in her life because oh, that, yeah. that that that's does powerful. take courage, <laughs> but it's like courage that's needed right now. And yeah, I do love that. she. It, it's extremely true. This pandemic is not over. And yes, there's going to be so many precautions at the Emmys, of course, but it's all up to your personal safety and also how comfortable you feel with other people's personal safety. Yeah, because you just don't know. And this is I'm so glad that she's saying this so early on in award season because, you know, we had the VMAs last week. We had the Met Gala. We have the Emmys coming up and it's just going to continue until, you know, February, March of next year. So we'll see who shows up. And we're entering fall and winter. And that is when viruses spread more. Reminder, everyone. (laughs) Still a pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So moving on and speaking of celebs skipping events because of COVID, Nicki Minaj caused quite the commotion on Twitter when she revealed that she wouldn't be attending the Met Gala. Just hours before the event started, she tweeted, quote, they want you to get vaccinated for the Met. If I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. It'll be once I feel I've done enough research. I'm working on that now. All right. So first of all, (laughs) first of all, she's really uh, she's revealing a that she's not vaccinated, which is already 
huge. Um, and then I want to know what kind of research she thinks she can do better than like the CDC. Um, well, you know, what? it's gonna be it's gonna be Facebook comments. It's gonna be your aunt once removed. <laughs> yep, yep. This is big aunt energy. That's what I was <laughs> thinking. Like, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's research has been done. It's been right. done. <laughs> Okay, but also things got like a, a little bit more confusing. Let's just like try and follow this. Earlier in the day, she tweeted that she recently got COVID while shooting a video and that Drake told her he'd gotten COVID even after getting the vaccine. And and then she also related a story about a friend of her cousin who got the vaccine and, quote, became impotent with swollen testicles weeks before he was supposed to get married. You know, despite there being no evidence that the vaccine affects fertility, male or otherwise. So, I mean, first, if I were this person, I would be mad that she just put all of my business out there. (laughs) Because no one gave you the right, Nikki. I saw some tweet that was like, isn't she violating HIPAA laws? Like... Oh my, yeah, she she's just like, they probably had like some sort of, oh, the, the wedding's been delayed because of weather or something. Right, and they're like, exactly. God damn, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> but then also, I'm just like, again, big aunt energy. Like, this is a friend of a friend, like a friend of her cousin. Like, what? And it's just spreading rumors. It's just spreading false information. It's, it's really like we're laughing about it and how chaotic it is, but it's actually really dangerous behavior. Right, because one person's going to see this, then you're going to see some guy who doesn't want swollen testicles, and then he's not going to get right. the vaccine. Right, and he's going to be like, I'm not going to vaccine. Right, exactly. So, mm, don't like this no, either. No one wants that. Get the vaccine. Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> okay, so after a more than two-year hiatus, the Met Gala made a triumphant return to New York last night. The theme was, in America, a lexicon of fashion, which celebrities, as they do, interpreted in many different ways. And, you know, the stars were younger. Some of the looks were strange, but, you know, in the best way possible. And, of course, not everyone was happy with how things turned out. You know, there's always room for debate when it comes to fashion. So joining us today to break it all down is style and beauty journalist Jamee Jackson of The Blonde Misfit. Hi, Jamee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, guys. I'm so excited. My God, I'm so tired. So thank God that this is not on video. Audio. <laughs> no, I feel that Shiloh was, Shiloh was covering the, the gala last night as well. Yes, uh, it was a very long 12-hour day. <laughs> yes, 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 but, yes. You know, I, I want to start here. You know, it's been more than two years since the last Met Gala. What did it feel like to watch the coverage last night? You know, I've been covering the Met Gala for years, um, and it's it's always a fun thing to kind of bring the community together and watch it together. Like this year, I think because everyone was home, people didn't have nothing else to do. So everybody was like, let me see what's going on on Twitter. Let me see what Vogue is streaming. And, you know, this was the first year that they kind of made a lot of things more public, whether it was Fashion Week or it was the Met Gala. So I think that the community kind of came together in a way that we don't get to normally see. And so it was really fun. Let me just tell you guys, I was cracking up all night. The references... (laughs) the questions we just had a lot of questions and not a lot of answers okay and so it was um it was an experience but but much like the pandemic and everything else that we have endured since like 2019 we're all going through this together right we're just we're just all on this journey together so it was a lot of laughs you know, we're going to we're going to get into this later. But, you know, for for people who might not know, the theme was in America, a lexicon of fashion. Just real quickly. What was your favorite look of the entire night? 
Ooh, my favorite look had to be Alton Mason. He wore a mm, head-to-toe yes. Theophilia look. And, like, if you got, like, in on his boots, they were pearl-encrusted. First of all, it was interesting to me that I didn't see more black and queer designers, but we gonna get into that because I got a whole <laughs> lot of thoughts. Um, but Theophilia is a really amazing brand, edgy, trendy, uh, really for the people, a Brooklyn-based Jamaican designer. And so it was really nice to see them just come and like really kind of embrace that. Plus, I don't... They, drop the skincare routine, sis. Because, <laughs> my gosh, his his skin looked phenomenal. And it was just beautiful. It was just it was just decadent. He, he Definitely my favorite look of the night. No, I, I was looking at a roundup this morning and I was like, is this the most beautiful person I've ever seen? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, I want to talk about some of the trends, not just in what styles people were wearing, because I definitely think that we saw some trends there, but in who was actually at the gala this year. We saw a lot of social media stars and influencers, people like Addison Rae, Emma Chamberlain, even one of the Try Guys, Eugene Lee Yang was there. And a lot of the old school stiff fashion community didn't really vibe with this. (laughs) So does it feel like there was an intentional shift this year? You know, it's really weird because working in the industry, this has been a conversation we've been having for a long time, like even before the pandemic, right? About like kind of getting that new wave in of designers, new wave of influencers and people who are going to kind of just hold up like, you know, the new guardrail when the Anna Winters of the world are like no longer here. I think that the pandemic kind of like slowed things down and kind of like, it's almost like ripping a bandaid off of like a really nasty, like gross cut. You get to really see kind of like a lot of the crap that's going on in there, but you also now have to finally confront everything for what it is. Like you can't just like put it in a, like a cute outfit and like send it down the runway. Like you have to be intentional about it now. And so I wasn't surprised at all. Like, I think that this is the wave of fashion I think this is like the next iteration of like what we're going to see. But I think that it surprised a lot of people just because we've all been in our house for so long. And then all of a sudden we had like the Oscars of fashion night. And then like they noticed a whole bunch of like Gen Z kids like in a bathroom taking selfies. Like it was definitely not surprising to me, but let me just say this. The Met Gala is nice, but it's still a business, right? It's a charity, but businesses are in the business of making money. And so she knows very strategically that you need people with a lot of staying power. You know, Billie Eilish alone has over 90 million followers on Instagram. Like you need people there who are going to spread that word and that message because it builds that brand collateral. So I'm not mad at it. Get your money, sis. So one of my favorite looks of the night was actually Dixie D'Amelio. And it pains me to admit that um but it was just I loved it it was like Audrey Hepburn-esque but like Mm -hmm. why am I embarrassed to admit it like I feel like there's a lot of people who are you know like we said hating on these TikTok stars what is it about them that like people don't want to see them on the red carpet. Yeah. You know, I used to see this all the time going to shows during fashion week. I think it's not necessarily just like it being TikTok or like, you know, whatever the biggest platform at the moment is. I think it's more of like, when you're like an industry expert or you've been in the game for a while, like you have had to pay your dues in ways that like, you know, by today's standards are probably unethical and like illegal. And like, so when you kind of like have had to pay reverence and like learn the actual history and the foundation of something, I think it can get really weird slash uncomfortable slash offensive when people are inhabiting the same space and like they're there simply because they did a cute dance on like TikTok, you know, 
I think that there's a room and a space for that, though. Yeah, we're talking about a lot of, like, these bigger cultural moments and stuff, but, like, it's still clothes, it's still makeup, it's still, you know, expression, and I think, like, anyone has an opportunity to add their voice to that. That being said, I can totally understand, though, why sometimes it's like, you know, you have, like, the president and CEOs of, like, these billion-dollar companies who are, like, trying to make sure that there's, like, leverage in the fashion industry, you know, or, like, designers of color who are trying to like tear down the walls of racism and then like you have some people who are just there because they want to like take a selfie and be like oh my god like look what I'm wearing like and like they have absolutely no context about fashion at all I think that's what kind of rubs people wrong but I will say that that is just the way of the game right like the rookies the newcomers they're always gonna I guess be in a position that's better than the past generation and honestly for me I think of it that you don't want the next generation to go through exactly what you've gone through like let them have space but also if you are that TikTok star if you're that Instagram influencer study your craft like if you really want to be that fashion it girl like learn about the new emerging designers don't just run to Vogue to figure out who's who's popping like ask your audience and cultivate that information and that knowledge on your own you know so it's definitely a two-way street. You know, I also, one thing that I did specifically love about the youth that was represented here is that I think that many of them took the most risks on the carpet, you know, like, so, you know, we, we had the hosts who were Timothy Chalamet, Naomi Saka, Amanda Gorman and Billie Eilish, but you know, like, yeah, Naomi, she took risk with hers. Then we had Maisie Williams. She took a risk. Oh, Lil Nas. Of course. Yes. We already saw the Lady Gaga three outfit reveal, but I wanted to see it again. And he did a great job. (laughs) What do you like? Did you appreciate that? The people who took the risk and did you notice that it was many coming? from the younger generation? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I just think the love and the power of Gen Z is just like their fluidity, right? It's not even just about like sexuality. It's just like their ideas and their thoughts. Like they are not tied to one thing and they are willing to explore that in every medium. And I think that that is so refreshing. I mean, I remember my mouth dropped when I saw Naomi take like the carpet because I just thought to myself, like, this is what I want. I want that bigger, bold or go home kind of aesthetic that comes with the Met Gala. Like, like you get two types of people at the Met Gala. You get the people who want to look cute and then you got the people who want to go on theme. And so it's really refreshing to see that someone is willing to get out of their comfort zone and to step into it. And again, I think that that is why people like myself and others in the industry are really excited about once we're all out of this, you know, in the pandemic and we're all back outside fully and whatnot, like what the fashion industry is going to look like, because we have so many people who are willing to step out and try and do things that were not done before. All right. Well, we've got to take a break, but we'll be diving into last night's theme when we get back. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. I'm Eve Rodsky, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fair Play and Find Your Unicorn Space, activist on the gender division of labor, attorney, and family mediator. And I'm Dr. Aditi Narukar, a Harvard physician and medical correspondent with an expertise in the science of stress, resilience, mental health, and burnout. 
We're so excited to share our podcast, Time Out, a production of iHeart Podcasts and Hello Sunshine. We're uncovering why society makes it so hard for women to treat their time with the value it deserves. So take this time out with us. Listen to Time Out, a fair play podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Lethal listeners, Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But I hadn't counted on a rash of new murderers tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger. Though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Jamae Jackson about last night's Met Gala. Now, of course, there were some statements made through fashion, which is what the night is all about. So what did you think of AOC and Dan Levy's looks? Mm. You know, AOC caught a lot of backlash, okay? It was a little hot for her last night. Um, But, you know, there are a couple of things here with that. First of all, a lot of people are not aware that usually it's the designer, the brand, or the company who's fronting that $30,000, $35,000 bill to go to the Met Gala. Second of all, people forget it's a charity, right? So it's not like you're giving it to Anna Winter herself. Like, it's going to, like, a cause, and that is a tax write-off. And I think that she wanted to make a statement. She worked with, you know, Brother Veli's, you know, Aurora James, who's the person also behind the 15% pledge to kind of bring that to life. And so in many ways, you can make the argument that her look was great. She worked with uh, with a black designer, a black female designer who is, you know, a unicorn at this point in the fashion industry. But at the same time, I'm very much so a show don't tell kind of person. You know, there are ways that you can make that statement without necessarily wearing it on a on a dress. But at the same time. We've seen it over years and years, people wearing their political agendas and their attire. And I mean, at the end of the day, fashion is political. So I wasn't mad at it. And for people who didn't see the dress, it says tax the rich. It li- it really does. It literally <laughs> says. It, it literally, that, it wasn't up for interpretation. It literally <laughs> says tax the rich. And I was like, girl, I'm here for it. But you know, at the same time, like, you know, people, I, I also feel people who were like, girl, but you're sitting there with the rich. I was like, yeah, but like her $175,000 salary is not touching like Jeff Bezos you know I think that there are ranges in in stuff here and like that's a little different I personally really loved Dan Levy's look because when you kind of get into the history and the details of the look you're learning more about like just queer representation and honestly you're thinking about like the lives that have been lost just simply due to sexual identity and trying to hold space in this world 
I think that it's really interesting that Dan stepped out of their normal comfort zone. You know, we're used to seeing them in more silhouetted, like Tom Brown fashion looks. And like, now we got to play with color. We played with puffs. I remember a few years ago, actually writing about camp, you know, for Buzzfeed and talking about the Met Gala and just, uh, just, just a, si- a side note, everyone go read her piece. It is one of the best pieces on Buzzfeed. <laughs> <Period. Thank you. laughs> it was, it was a labor of love, but it really was one of those opportunities that I wanted to say that, you know, fashion has been fun and it, but it also has been a political way for people to share and hold space in this world. And so it was really exciting to see, um, Dan d- represent that in their outfit and kind of make that statement in a way that it wasn't understated it wasn't overstated but it actually sent a message i think in a more effective way than aocs Mm, that's true and you know what and again i appreciate that because the theme was in america a lexicon of fashion and i do think that they at least both attempted to be on theme which is not the same for many other people that were there but you know that statement can be interpreted in many different ways what do you think some of the best outfits interpretations of the themes were last night? Oh, I think some of the best interpretations were the ones when people really just sort of thought a little bit outside of just the go-to, right? Like there's the low-hanging fruit in fashion and then there's the moment where you can kind of challenge that. So for instance, I again loved Alton. I loved Shakari Richardson who also wore black designers. She wore Brandon Blackwood. And then also she wore Theophilio Kirby, the founder of Pierre Moss. Nobody wore Pierre Moss, which I was very surprised about, but he came in like a custom red suit, which I thought was amazing. Um, I also think that, you know, one of the things that we didn't get to see in this, even though it wasn't about the outfits, was, you know, Lewis Hamilton buying an entire table to put on black designers, you know, who are emerging. Just simply being in those rooms is how you can create allyship. And also, a lot of people can't front that bill, you know? And so we think about it like how exclusive the Met Gala can necessarily be just simply by who can afford to go. Of course, I loved Naomi. Yeah, and for people who didn't see Naomi, she, correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I was just a fan watching, not coming from a fashion <laughs> lens. But I think she had a, a lot of different parts of her heritage in her clothing. Yes. Which was another great interpretation of America. Yes. And she actually speaks about her Haitian Japanese heritage a lot. You know, she just launched a skincare line and it is infused with all of that. She's launching a swimwear brand. Sis is booked and busy. Okay. (laughs) Wait, Jamaica, can you tell us, can you tell us about her hair? I know this is hard because we are a podcast, but uh, I think people need to understand her hair. It's, I don't even know how to actually like vocalize it so like it was it had red like encrustments with them splattered throughout and it was almost like it was just like first of all black hair is art period and she just had like this beautiful high ponytail that sort of had like these braided halos spread throughout she had like matching red think almost like rihanna a few years ago when she went to the re cabo with coma de garçon like that red splattered across the face, which is very, you know, custom to like Japanese art. And then like on the sides, her hair actually like just protruded out. And it was amazing and beautiful because to me, I just think of this idea of like, just taking up space and like just stretching and like when people think about black hair like our hair grows up but it grows out but it grows like down it's just like taking up space it almost is like she was like a walking watercolor that's the best way I can do it I love that description (laughs) and I mean seriously she was one of the best looks of the night 
and it's weird because uh, she wasn't talked about a lot. She was talked about from the context of like being a, a co-chair, but people really kind of just sort of stepped around her look. But I think that we really need to like take a second because her look represents strength, femininity, value, heritage. And I mean, if you really want to think about like American lexicon, like that would hopefully be the morals that we'd be founded on. I don't know no more y'all, but I would hope that that would be, I would hope that would be what we would represent. Okay. So you mentioned this before and, but I was wondering if you have more thoughts on the lack of representation in the designers in general that were at the Met. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting if we're talking about Amer- the American lexicon of fashion, there's so much that we can explore as far as like just the queer history and the history of black designers. You know, I would have loved to have seen something from Patrick Kelly. I was very surprised that more people didn't tap into Tommy Hilfiger. Romeo Hunt, who also is a black designer, he wore a streetwear um, look by him and Tommy Hilfiger. They have a, a collaboration out together, but I was surprised more people didn't talk about Tommy, especially considering Tommy and back in the 90s really advocated for black representation in his marketing and kind of really held that space that went before a lot of other designers did. We saw a lot of Oscar de la Renta and Versace to the point where I was just like, come on now. Like, how much money do y'all have? Like, come on. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I really think that this would have been a wonderful opportunity, I think, to see more Black brands. Theophilio, Pierre Moss, you know, we think about Telfar. Think about everyone going crazy about the Telfar bag and now you still can't necessarily get it. Thank God I have four. You know, I was just, I was just lucky that I got it before everybody else caught on. But, you know, no one was wearing Telfar. There was just so many missed opportunities. I think that we could have done a lot to to kind of paint the the vision of streetwear and the brands that are kind of stepping into, you know, Off-White just recently sold a major acquisition stake to LVMH. That just kind of shows where fashion is heading right now as far as streetwear and its importance. And so I would have loved to have seen more people take risks and kind of not go just like down the traditional route. So to wrap things up, I just want to get your overall letter grade for this year's gala. Did it live up to expectations? Like, what would you give it as a grade? Oh, I'm gonna give it like a B minus. Like at one, okay. at some point, at some point halfway through, I was like, you know what? Let me just pour my wine, wrap my hair up, do my skincare routine, <laughs> and like head to bed. I didn't feel like there was enough excitement around it as far as like the clothes. And you know, I'm one of those people that like I cannot wait to be fully outside again because I can't wait to wear like all of the things that I've been accumulating for the pandemic. And I thought that that was really going to be that night. I thought more people were going to step out and give us something like that was really buzzworthy, but it seems like a lot of people played it safe and kind of just wanted to just be there. And I think that we have to just continue to challenge what is working in the industry, but also like where we can see room for improvement. So why can't more people be like Lewis Hamilton and buy an entire table and put on the next designers? Or, you know, if you are working with talent, whether they are black or white or from any background, why can we not challenge them to maybe take on a brand that we have never heard of before? You know, I know a lot of people gave ASAP a lot of crap last night for his um, quilted look, but... which did remind me of my Haitian grandmother's quilts. But, you know, the brand ERL or Earl, depending on how you say it, they only have 80,000 followers on Instagram. Like that is empowering like the next brand, you know, come up, you know, you're not covering the brands that everyone's talking about. And at the end of the day, that is fashion to me. It's, it's, it's being established, but it's also taking risks. Well, 
on that note, and I think that's a great note to end on, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. Um, You've honestly given me a lot to think about. I'm excited for next year's. (laughs) Oh, yes. Look, let me be the co-chair. Anna, if you have some girls, hit me up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, get the vaccine. Swollen testicles be damned. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The NFL is back, and the NFL app has you covered. So get ready for football all season long and just tap into the NFL app. NFL, baby, let's make it happen. Just tap in to watch your local and primetime games all season, now through Super Bowl 56. For the end zone, touchdown! Get up-to-the-minute news, videos, highlights, stats, and more on all your favorite teams and rookies to watch. Welcome to the NFL! Download to your mobile device today at nfl.com slash mobile or in your app store. Certain restrictions and data rates may apply. Give us your attention, we need everything you got fast Waiting on reparations, we be the illest podcast Tune in every Thursday, politics and wordplay We fight for the people cause they got us in the worst way From the hill to Brazil, Bombay to Kanye From the left enclave to what the neocons say Every Thursday, cop the heady conversation And then break us off with some bread cause we waiting, waiting on, on reparations. reparations Listen to Waiting on Reparations on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 